Hey there, skips and skipperettes from all across the vast electronic wasteland known only as Internet Land, and welcome back to Tales from the Jungle Cruise. Well, as we head into our fifth year of travels into the rivers of adventure, I want to say thanks to everyone who sent us messages over the last month or so thanking us. It really means a lot to us that we have so many people who care about the stories that we're telling and the skippers that we're introducing to you. I never imagined this would become what it is, and there's lots more to come on the horizons. So about that, we have a lot of jungle news to bring you this episode. First of all, now I, I try not to do too much dated material because a lot of you are going to be listening to this way after the original date of the podcast. But this coming weekend, August 14th to 16th of 2015, is D23 Expo here in Anaheim. We'll be making our first visit to the Expo as a guest this year, and we're hoping to network with a lot of potential new listeners. I'll be there on Friday, August 14th, uh, walking around in a black t-shirt with our Tales from the Jungle Cruise logo on it. Please feel free to say hi if you see me at the convention. Now, at 3 o'clock on Friday, there will be a discussion panel of the Jungle Cruise at 60 years of age, with some great skips on the panels, as well as some people there from WDI. Uh, They'll be making a fun presentation, and I'll be there in the audience. I really hope you can swing by and support the Jungle. Now, secondly, we've decided to permanently lower all of our t-shirt prices over at the Merchandise from the Jungle Cruise website, and uh, that means they'll keep their July sales prices that we had indefinitely. This is exciting to us because a lot of people have been helping support the podcast and our costs by picking up shirts that are designed by skippers with that particular sort of jungle skipper attitude to them. Now, finally, and unrelated to Disney specifically, uh, here's a thing we're going to be mentioning for a while on the podcast. We finished playtesting our first Tales from the Jungle Cruise card game, a game called Jungle Rummy. It's a fun two-to-four player game that is now heading into its final prototype stage, and we're getting ready to figure out how uh, best to get it into your hands to play. So over the next four to six weeks, we'll be finalizing our agreements with manufacturers, and we'll let you know... So for details, catch us over on Facebook at facebook.com slash junglecruisecrews. It's a super fun casual card game in the vein of Uno or Hearts that has a really fun twist to it and, uh, and has just a little bit of our patented skippertainment. Now, as always, if you are a skipper or know a skipper who might want to appear on the show, please drop me a line at junglecruisecrews at gmail.com. So this week's episode is with our legend. Now, quite a few skips we've had on may purport to be legends, and some of them were legends in the jungle in their own eras, but this one is different. Now, since 1987, the Disney Company celebrates the people who've made deep contributions to the company and who've made their mark on the magic. Now, there's only a couple hundred of people on this list, and it's a very prestigious group. This week, we welcome Bill Sully Sullivan to the podcast for an interview via Skype. Mr. Sullivan, you know, I I still don't feel like I can use his nickname, was part of the class of 1955 cast members who were there in the earliest days of Disneyland. He hired in just 10 days after the park opened, and his career lasted until 1993, 38 years after he started on the Rivers of the Jungle Cruise. This is the second of our 1955 skippers we've had on, and his connection with Walt couldn't be any stronger. You know, I could just tell you all the amazing things that he did in his time with the company, but... I'll leave those great stories to him. It was really a genuine honor to chat with him. So, okay, here we go. Season 5, Episode 3, as we sit down with Skipper William Sully Sullivan in an episode we like to call Sullivan's Travels. Kungaloosh, everyone. You know, honestly, it's just a conversation. Um, I, th- you know, the thing that we always kind of like to to chat about first, um, and all all introduction and all that beforehand. Um, but you know, the first question that I think everyone starts with is is what brought you to Disneyland? Um, you know, I I I know that your start date was very early on, right after the opening. Um, 
and I assume being in Southern California that that it was very uh, prominent. Everyone knew what was going on. But what what caused you to head down there and apply for a job? <laughs> well, that was pretty simple. My, I worked with, for my uncle on his chicken ranch for the four years of high school, and then after after I graduated, I was still on there, and he said suggested I go out and get a decent job. And uh, so I went to the aircraft industry. Uh, I worked for Howard Hughes in Culver City. And that was an hour and a half drive every morning and every evening. And that was a pain. So I ended up, I, I quit Howard and I went to work for uh, Northrop in, on Bozenche Avenue there. And uh, I worked there for oh, six months. And I used to wear white buck shoes and a white leather jacket. And my manager, he didn't like what I wore to, wore to work. And so uh, he mentioned it to me and I told him I didn't care what he thought. And, he says, well, you better look, try to look for another job. So I was sitting there Sunday watching Disney, uh, the Disneyland opening, and uh, they showed the Jungle Cruise. And I said, that looks look like it would be fun. Uh, showed them, showed me the rest of the park, you know, and I, I, like, I was just being a TV viewer like everybody else. And I said, oh, hey, I'm going to go out there and take a look see. So I went out there on a, I think it was on a Thursday or Friday, and uh, the gentleman that interviewed me, Chuck Williams' assistant, uh, he had just left Friday before, left Northrop before, and he knew the guy I worked for. And he says, uh, I know what you're up against. You got a job. So uh, I was short and stocky, and uh, I was against the grooming staff, not against the grooming staff, against the size of the ranges we hired to. Uh, but uh, Lella Easton, who was our wardrobe missus, took good care of it. No, and I know that um... – you know, when I was talking to uh, Warren Asa, one of the things he said was that really early on for the Jungle Cruise, the costumes were a little bit ad hoc. Um, what what was the costuming like? We looked like we looked like Texaco gas station salesmen. Uh, there were white pants, a white shirt, uh, and a white hat, uh, and uh, they were all very well starched, and they were very uncomfortable. Then Jordan Weiss came aboard. And he designed new costumes for us, and we looked like a bunch of beachcombers. So that was worked out real quite well for the jungle. For the first one, they were very colorful. So, so ten days into it, you've got your first shift. Um, you know what? What was it like? You know, the first day when you're heading in and, and you're heading into the jungle cruise. Um, you know, what was the the training? What was that first day like? Well, was, we parked out in the main parking lot for the employee parking, and I walked in under the. That's where the guy showed me my ID, and and uh, we had uh, I think it was six hours or eight hours of training that one day, uh, just you know a little background, and it was done by Van France, and it was the Brown House, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, let's see, and then I walked under the t- the tunnel, I read the thing, and it says you know this, this place leave your worries all behind you, and you know come in and enjoy yourself. Well, I don't remember that was not not verbatim because I remember what it said, but it was that neat black on the um, over the tunnel as you went in, and so I asked the security guy how to get the Jungle Cruise, and he told me how. And so I walked down there, and uh, uh, so I started out. I was just taking tickets, mm-hmm. and uh, so my uh, that was an easy job. I liked it, and uh, that January I got laid off, and Charlie Thompson, who was my manager at the time, uh, put me on as a, a ride operator barker. And I'd take tickets and I'd call the people in and I said, you know, come, come see the Jungle Cruise, come see the Jungle Cruise. You know, tear out your... <laughs> and uh, we'd, we'd do that for a while. And then after a couple of, a couple of weeks, uh, uh, they put me on the Jungle Boat. Mm-hmm. And uh, they said, here's the script that we use. Uh, this is just the guideline. Uh, and so we started off and went from there. And uh, oh, uh, started driving boats. We take three trips around, take one trip off, because your voice would get wore out. And then finally, they gave us microphones. Cause we didn't have microphones to start. Kind of yelled it out and uh, talked loud. And uh, so it was a little sparse. You could see that where the jungle, the jungle hadn't grown up yet, and uh, you could see it through. And see the boats coming going by on the other side in different places. So yeah, no, and I, I I've always heard that they did a lot of creative landscaping. Uh, I think that the the story that most people know is they uh, they took some of the trees and take them, took uh, some out of the ground, 
washed off the roots and planted them upside down so they would look like jungle. Uh, Those are orange trees, yes. That's yeah. Sure. Yep, that's for sure. And then Bill Evans started putting bromeliads in the, in the Amazon jungle there and planted a bunch of bamboo throughout. And, you know, it just started growing and growing and growing. Uh, we used as much natural as we could get. Uh, but uh, it, it took a while. But I went, wrote it the other day. Uh, when I was out for the 60th, and it's absolutely, it looks beautiful. It's full grown, everything. Oh, yeah. In fact, they got to oh, yeah, trim it once in a while, not a, so you can see the animation. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the, the bamboo just is, is monstrous. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it just covers up the whole of it, uh, the, the canopy of it when you're going now. It's great. There's several different kinds of bamboo in there. There's uh, some of the great big giant bamboo, some of the smaller stuff, so it, it's, uh, Bill Evans tried to import as many plants as he possibly could that would be characters of the jungle. He put a bunch of birds of paradise in there, he put banana trees in there, and yes, he did turn the orange trees upside down and, and planted them upside down. <laughs> you know, it's and the um, bamboo must have been really good because it grows so fast. I think that, that I'm sure that was part of their their planning. Uh, no, so you said that. So the the um, the winter you got laid off. I, I'm making the assumption that there was, you know, a good summer, and then was going into the winter, did things slow down a bit for the park? Exactly, real quiet. There's uh, some days out there, and I was only off one day, and Charlie brought me back. Yeah. And But there was days out there, because we were operating nine to nine then, and we're open seven days a week, and there was days out there, there'd only be 750 people in the park. Yeah. We had more employees than that, because my, my employee number was 751. The um, I think you might appreciate this when we were chatting with Warren. His he he actually was hired the day before on the sixteenth, and he re- reported for work at six a.m. on the the seventeenth. And uh, he said that he went in at six a.m. They gave him a script. They showed him how to run the throttle, and he said they said we open in two hours. Memorize your uh, memorize your spiel. <laughs> that could very well be. Some of the con- um, well, the concrete wasn't dry, and some of the asphalt was a little soft. Yeah, oh yeah, we've heard that. Um, now, at the early part of the, one of the things that we've kind of tried to find out that we haven't gotten a definitive answer on, but in the first couple of years, was the the loading, the loader position and the, the actual skipper position, were they two different jobs for people? Oh yeah, yeah. You had the skippers on the boats, and they'd stay on the boat for three trips around, and then we had one, only had one loading position to start with, and the dock was too low, so they all got the dock raised, and they cut in another loading position. So we had two loaders, uh, one fore and one aft, and we let the guests in there. We carried 36 guests per load, mm-hmm. and uh, the skipper stayed on the boat, and uh, the loaders would, would load, and the unloaders would do, would do the unloading of it. The, um, you know, one of the, the myths that we... I, I don't. I don't want to say we busted the myth, but it's definitely there. You know, uh, Warren told us that you know, everyone has heard for a long time that the early Jungle Cruise didn't have the tone and the humor and the the way that it is now with all the jokes. Uh, but but Warren told us that they encouraged them if you know you had a slow time or your boat had to stop for a while or if you got to a segment that you thought you could change the mood a little bit that it was okay to throw in one or two jokes during your trip. Uh, the, uh, the, tr- the truth of the matter is that uh, it was uh, the Jungle Cruise, a true life adventure. And so that's why they wanted to keep it just informative. And, and you know, we're going down the Amazon River and you're using bromeliads and so on and so forth. And we talked about the animals that were in there. Mm-hmm. The, the elephants were the African bull elephant. You can tell he's an African bull elephant because he's got the large ears. Uh, yeah, it was... It was uh, uh, and then to make it more fun, more interesting, we, well, there are all a bunch of characters that worked on that, on that ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all extroverts, and uh, uh, we all had our own little personalities. So some of the guys would go around, and they'd, they'd uh, uh, give this real with a pirate's voice, voice to it. Uh, some would give it a British, a British accent to it. Uh, they're a bunch of characters. Yeah, I, I and a lot of people, uh, I guess, were people who came down from Hollywood because they weren't able to get acting jobs and and wanted to you know be with the Disney brand. So they they came down. A lot of the Jungle Cruise guys early on were aspiring actors, from what I understand. There was two that 
I remember. Yeah. One uh, had spent some time in South Africa, and the other was a college student, and he he was. I went down and uh, and uh, he played the chain mutiny. Mm-hmm. The picture, but John, John, the guy with the mustache, he never made it. He, uh, the other guy was good, young, and good looking. John was old and ugly looking, so he didn't make it. <laughs> movies. So, um, you know, in those early, you know, the the first couple of years, were there specific things outside of the jungle that you look back at that were kind of your favorites to do when you we were off off a shift or you were taking a girl around the park on a date? You know, what were the the couple other things that really stand out in your memory from those early days? The carousel is probably one of the most gorgeous carousels I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was beautiful. It, it was neat. Uh, the, the castle was was little and new and and beautiful, and it's colorful. Uh, and uh, no, it was just the jungle cruise was, was a thing to do. Uh, but oh yeah, we had a good chicken. We had a fried chicken house, uh, uh, a southern chicken, and over uh, just over by Frontierland, or before you got to the Indian village. Uh, mm-hmm. Great chicken place, chicken plantation. That's what it was called. <laughs> um. So was it uh, was it easy, you know, when you got off a shift or, or whatever? Was it just easy to uh, to wander around and, and kind of take in the park? And was that encouraging yeah, in the early and, time? And just, you know, just because it was interesting. It was a lot of fun. It was a place, it was a neat place. And uh, yeah, we'd do that, and then uh, then we'd go over to the clock drive in and have a beer. So what, I mean, I, I'm sure that, uh, you know, your first day of work stands out in your memory, but uh, as far as your other first, what about the first time that you uh, met Mr. Disney? You mean Walt? Yes, Mr. Uh, was uh, It was a quiet evening. Uh, he was down, uh, I think it was a Tuesday evening, because we had a park operations committee meeting on, on Wednesday morning, and he liked to go to that once in a while. Uh, but it was uh, in late in the evening, and it was dark. And uh, Walt came down and looked around and said, how's it going, boys? And he said, yeah, it's going great. And it was a little slow. He said, yeah, we're going to take care of that. And that's, he was thinking about closing Mondays and Tuesdays then. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was, it was, uh, he was just a great guy. He was very easy to talk to. Uh, had a chance to, to drive him around several times on the jungle cruise and, and, uh, uh He'd bring guests down, and we'd, we'd put, put him on the back, up and back to load him on at the exit with his guests. Um, and because his apartment was just down, where uh, we stored our boats, was just uh, his apartment was down about a hundred yards, and he'd walk down the, the alley there, and then walk on the walkway, and then come out that way once in a while. Mm-hmm. He'd, he'd come by and he'd talk. And he was a very, very friendly guy. Did uh did you see the early days? Was it a lot of um, uh, celebrities, people who you know were in the public eye? People from the studio came down. Was it uh, a popular place in that regard? Uh, you know, uh, uh, what was your name? Oh, Lucille Ball came down uh, mm-hmm. a lot with her kids. Uh, uh, who was that other one? A dark-haired lady. She's a good-looking lady. She had her kids. And she reached down and bust their, bust their butt when they wouldn't do what she was told. Uh, uh, Hugh O'Brien, I remember, was there. Uh, Rock Hudson came down. Uh, Kennedy stopped, John Kennedy stopped by one afternoon. Um, Khrushchev, of course, was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, they, yeah, we had them all the time. We had with, uh, with stars down there. So what what was it like as a you know nineteen twenty year old in that in that opportunity that you had? I mean, how did you feel about it? How what was the what was your inside dialogue about you know being that age and having that exposure to something that was that popular? I, I, I was a nineteen year old punk kid and I uh, had no idea what I was going to be doing in twenty years and I spent forty years with a mouse. Yeah. So I had no idea. It was just just real. It was interesting the working with people. I, I enjoyed working with people. I enjoyed working with the guys I worked with. I enjoyed working, you know, for the guys. Uh, Doc Lamont and, and Howard, uh, Howard uh, uh, the great guys. Nunes, it was, you know, 
He was a decent guy. We used to refer to Nunes as Mr. Clean. But, <laughs> but, but so was it, was it a little overwhelming, you know, just uh, getting out of high school, you know, having your, you know, maybe second, second job being in that kind of an environment? Or was it just a really casual, you know, comfortable uh, atmosphere for you? Oh, it was a comfortable atmosphere. I mean, it was, it was interesting. It was fun. You had people, different people every day. Uh, the crew was a, was a really good guy, a bunch of guys to work with. Uh, there was uh, those gals running around every place. There were mostly ticket sellers and merchandising girls at that time. Then the tour guide started, and then there was a little blonde across the way that uh, was the night manager of the Walter Clark's Hawaiian shop. And I ended up marrying her for 58 years ago. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the Disney romances seem to have a little more uh, yeah. longevity to them. Yes, it was it was quite interesting. So, uh, how how long did you spend uh, at the jungle before you moved on to the rest of your career with the company? I spent two and a half years in the jungle and moved over to work with Pete Crimmings over in Tomorrowland. And uh, uh, about the, about the fourth year, uh, yeah, fourth fourth year, we started they started using us as, as yo-yo supervisors. I referred to them as because when we were busy, they promote us to supervision. And uh, and when it was slow, we'd go back to being foreman on the attractions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that way, I got to work. I got to work Tomorrowland. I worked. Uh, I didn't work for Fantasyland until later. I spent some time in Frontierland, uh, and then ended up uh, being. Uh, I started out the first time. Uh, I was promoted permanently. I was the main assistant supervisor, supervisor on Main Street and the main gate. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I worked. Uh, I didn't work the parking lot. I didn't work the the trains, but uh, I had an opportunity. To get, but you know, every year they 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 move you someplace else, so just so you get a good feel for the business. Yep. Well, and that's the one thing I I have a lot of friends that are in management even today, and one of the things that they say is, a you're never bored. Oh, you're never bored. Always... You just get to where you're comfortable in the job, and bam, you move. They move you someplace else. Yeah. Well, and that that diversity I think helps because you know if you're uh, a Tomorrowland supervisor who's uh, worked in a bunch of other areas, and a guest comes up to you, you know how to solve the problems because you've been everywhere. That's exactly right. You learn. Uh, you learn by doing. So after um, after you you segmented out to the the jungle, you did some other supervisory things. Um, what were some of the other you know? Big things that were happening uh, with the company that you got to be involved with. I know the. Uh, well, it, was a, it was a re-grand opening in 1954. Uh, after Walt did all the, uh, we had the Matterhorn, the monorails, the subrides, and stuff like that. Uh, we got to work on a grand opening for that, and that was interesting. Cause I was working on Main right? Street, and uh, that's when the park started making some money. And right. uh, si- was that six sixty-four? And fifty-four. Okay. Excuse me, excuse me. Uh, Fifty-nine. It was four okay. years after we opened. Okay. And uh, you know, then then when I was an assistant supervisor for a while, every once in a while a premiere would come up, and we'd go up and work the premiere with the crowd control, assisting the in the valet parking and stuff like that, and uh, getting the guests in and a lot of publicity. Uh, worked with Charlie Ridgeway and Eddie Mack on publicity, and and uh, uh, got just got to do fun stuff like that way. Uh, we had three or four premieres we worked on, uh, and we got to spend some time with George Keller, uh, the guy that was in the circus, uh, that did the circus when we first opened. Uh, got to learn about animals from him. He was inter- he was a weird guy, but uh, it was interesting working with people like that. Yeah, it, you know, it, it never ceases to amaze me how um, you know it's sixty years now the park's been open and. You, People who work, their memories are so sharp and so good about those times. And there are days where I can't remember, you know, six months ago. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know the feeling. <laughs> it's, yeah. the, the, the old, the old memories are set. We work with impressive people. We work, you know, we work in an impressive place, and it was fun. Yeah. We worked hard and played uh, hard. So I know a couple of the things. The um, the Winter Olympics, the Squaw Valley Winter Olympics, yep. I understand you were a part of that. I was. I was. Uh, Walt was on the uh, organizing committee for the Winter Olympics, and he was already scheduled to do all the entertainment and the opening and closing ceremonies. And 
provided uh, 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 the, the flag raising and stuff like that. And Tommy Walker went up and did that, and then a bunch of the guys from the park on opening day uh, came up. But uh, the ball was in a meeting one day prior to opening of the Winter Olympics, uh, like three or four weeks, six weeks, something like that. And uh, they uh, talked about security of the valley. And uh, they said, we ain't got none. And they looked at Walt and <laughs> said, well, can you help us? Because, so, uh, you know, Walt was the only operating guy on, on the uh, place on the uh, committee, and uh, he called Doc Lawan, and who was our boss, our director at the time, and uh, uh, Doc called uh, <laughs> called Dick, and, and Dick says, who you got? And uh, he's Doc on, and Doc says, who you got? And he lined up three of us, and we went up there, we, we, Dick called me, and called Penfield and Jack Taylor, and says, uh, 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 pack your bags. You're going to the Squaw Valley the Winter Olympics. You'll be up there about six, eight weeks. And uh, he says, uh, uh, <laughs> he says, we'll fly you up, fly you back. And uh, so, hell, I'd never been in the snow, and uh, so I didn't have any snow clothes or anything like that. So I had to go out and buy clothes. And about three days later, I was on, on a plane and went up to Squaw Valley. And we set up security in the valley. We hired the guys. We had I had like shipped about sixty guys, I think, like that. And uh, we secured the valley. We we secured the uh, in the road. Uh, we directed people over to the parking lots. Uh, we had uh, uh, security on the uh, athletes' village. We had security on the athletes' uh, 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 cafeteria, and uh, had security on the admin building. So and then we called Andy Masell up, and he taught him how to park cars. So we were, we were up there about six weeks, and my oldest daughter took her first steps while I was gone. Ah, uh, that's great. Um, so the uh, in that time period, you know, the, there was a lot of things in that you know mid fifties to mid sixties where the Disney Company was branching out. I think people. Um, one of the things that people think about the most was the New York World's Fair, because obviously they, the Disney company had a huge presence there. Um, and I understand you were involved in the, uh, well, that was, in, in those. Uh, yeah, I, uh, um, the reason Walt did that is he wanted to test the market on the East Coast, because I think he had an inkling he wanted to do something on the East Coast. Uh, he'd talk to people in St. Louis, and we got, you know, we got shot down there because Augie Bush wanted to sell beer in the park, and Walt said no. Well, and Augie said, and Walt said no, and Augie says, well, then there won't be no park. So, you know, we didn't do it there, but he uh, had an opportunity uh, with, uh, uh, to to test and test the market out there because only six percent of our business uh, came from east of the Mississippi, huh. and. Uh, uh, it was a new market for us, and so Walt uh, wanted to find out how the East Coast people would accept our kind of entertainment. So uh, he signed up with GE and Ford, and, and well, Ford was a sponsor on on the TV show anyway. And he was really good friends with GE. Uh, State of Illinois wanted something, and that's why we developed the Abraham Lincoln figure. And uh, we did some. Uh, I don't remember how we got involved in UNICEF. Uh, with UNICEF and Pepsi. Oh, Pepsi was, was sponsoring a, a provision for UNICEF, and they wanted something, you know, a children of the world. And the only way they knew it, they get a hold of Walt. And so, uh, Rolly Crump and Mary Blair uh, designed Small World, and, uh, and let's uh, see, Rolly, Rolly designed the Tower of the Four Winds, and Mary <laughs> designed most of the show, and Rolly helped on the sets. Uh, and it uh, turned out that, uh, our four Disney shows were in the top five every week. Yeah, what what was the um you know the initial reaction to to Small World? I mean, I now we look at it, and we've got the iconic song, everyone kind of has a feel for it. But uh, I, I imagine that was a little uh, different uh, entertainment wise for what was around at that point. Was it was it a big 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 hit? Well, everyone was. It started off slow uh, because I was there the first. Dick sent me out there to, to help open, uh, help Pete Crimmins and Bob Benfield open, open that thing, uh, the small world. And uh, I, he said, yeah, you're going to be out there for about three weeks. So my third week, I was out there. I called him and said, Dick, I've been here three weeks. And I'll tell you when to come home. But uh, small world, was it started off slow but caught on real fast because it was a huge show. It was a catchy tune. 
everybody loved it, and it was, you know, it helped UNICEF, and, you know, it was the children of the world. And it was a, we had tremendous capacity on that attraction. We did, we could do about, it was estimated attendance was uh, 5,400 an hour. We, we averaged 36 to 4,000 an hour. So it was yeah, a, really a people eater. So it on the- yeah, no, it's it's amazing that uh, you know even today that line that's out there just always seems to disappear fast. Oh yeah, it's, it, uh, it's, well, it's it's one of the best ride systems that's ever been built, and best uh, designed the way it was was designed to load and unload. Yeah, well, and you know, water is you know a, a great, easy, frictionless you know uh, way of moving people through. There's not you know no moving parts to get in the way. The way. Uh, you know, some other uh, roller coaster might break down or something. Yeah, well, it, we used to have breakdowns. We used to have what we called oh, sure, sure. And two boats were trying to get in the same hole at the same time. Didn't work. Or when it was dispatched, we would dispatch them at the same time. And, you know, it was all manual. It's not like control, uh, control like it is today. Uh, but So, yeah, we'd have a jam up every once in a while. Oh, sure. So, anyway, but yeah. you know, we had our own problems. But it worked. You know, the show would stop. And we'd have to stop the show. The music would die. So, yeah, we had a problem, but we fixed it. And then, you know, what was – because obviously it seems like, you know, you were kind of an ombudsman and, and, you know, uh, they were using you in a lot of capacities. Um, You know, what was there anything else in that time period that you remember fondly or that was interesting to – Yeah, it was. was. It's when we we, – after we closed the uh, small world at New York World's Fair – uh, we loaded it all in, in 48 van loads uh, of uh, global van line trucks and shipped it back to California. And I got, uh, Dick assigned me to Fantasyland uh, when I got back, and that's where Small World went. So I got to watch it be built, and uh, we got it installed, and then I had to pick the crew and train the crew how to run it. And... Uh, we got to open it, and it was interesting. The night uh, that we opened, or the night before we were getting ready to open, I had the duty, and uh, I'm standing there watching my guys train down there and seeing how things were going, and watching the guys uh, finish up the, the paint and finish up the gold leaf on the on the tower, uh, and uh, I'm standing there watching. I hear this gentleman walk up behind me, and uh, he's got a cigarette in his mouth, and. And uh, I look over my shoulder, hell, it's Walt standing there. <laughs> and, and he said, asked me, he says, he says, Sully, we've got to be ready to go in the morning? I said, yes, sir, about noon. And he says, okay. And uh, when uh, I got there, bought my double back and got there early, and we had a crew come in at 5 o'clock to start laying sod and planting bushes. And uh, by noon, as I told him, uh, we were ready to go. And uh, when he came down with the president of Bank of America, and they walked down the down the load ramp, uh, he gave me a thumbs up, and uh, so that was an interesting case. So anyway, yeah. were there was there anything that um, that you were involved with, you know, in the early days of the park that you know maybe wasn't a huge thing then, but you go into the park today and you look at something that was your touch that's still there today. Is there is there Something that you did that you uh, you look at that's still around today that you're really proud of? Well, I, I put the first lady ticket taker out there. Uh, I put the first lady on uh, teacups, uh, and I was told by my boss that I had to be responsible for them. And uh, I said, "Okay, fine." And uh, so when I promoted the first lady supervisor, or I, I suggested she be be promoted, and uh, I took a lot of heat off some from some of the guys about that, but uh, the way the ladies we had working for us were very, very capable. Well, and that was at the cusp of you know going into the into the seventies where things were late sixties, early seventies, where I think that that perception of women in the workforce was starting to change slightly. Well, this was early on. This was in the, this was the like fifty eight, fifty nine. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, that 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 is early. The early sixties, probably. Um, the, um, the way that you go into the park now, cause I'm assuming that, you know, you, you spend time every once in a while in Anaheim. Um, is it unrecognizable to you or, I mean, versus, you know, the, the early years, I know you saw it grow up to. It's, it's like going that. home. I mean, you know, yeah. I was there when I redid the, uh, 
Adventureland Bazaar, uh, uh, you know, and then, uh, no, I don't know, it just, I, 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 I just felt like I was going home. Yeah. No, absolutely. So we'll 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 jump to we'll we'll get back in a little bit to the like the jungle of today and all of that sort of thing. But um, you know your involvement with the other jungle crews on the other side of the country with uh, with Epcot. I understand that you were you were over there during that uh, opening process and building process. Uh, so why don't you just go into a little bit about your your involvement with Magic Kingdom and and the Orlando project? I was, I was uh, when we opened the Magic Kingdom. Uh, uh, I was one of the guys that came down early and to help it get open and push the cruise and get it done. Uh, and, uh, you know, we thought we were going to have 50, 50 to 100,000 people the first day, and we had like 8 to 10. And uh, and uh, we backtracked, and, you know, we, we, people were laughing at us. And uh, Dick said, you know, if, if, if we don't, we did it in October, uh, because it was the slowest week, the slowest month of the year and, you know, for Florida. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, it was, uh, we planned it that way. Uh, uh, we didn't know how many we were going to have. I mean, we were no way to estimate it. We'd have to get on a track record. But he did say, you know, if we don't do something in Thanksgiving, uh, we're in trouble. But come Thanksgiving, we backed up traffic 11 miles on I-4 both ways. Uh, and the, the highway patrol came in and said, hey, you got to do something about that traffic. I said, he said, we said the traffic on our property is running just fine. And uh, we closed the park that day and reopened uh, the next day and closed the next day. And we were open and closed most of the time. So it was people would leave after 2 o'clock parade and we let some more people in. So uh, it was big time. And then... Uh, Oh, let's see what happened. Uh, uh, now, now, were you involved in in the the Jungle Cruise uh, at Magic Kingdom and all in those early days? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, down here, yeah. yeah. I was I was in charge of Main Street and Adventureland in Frontierland uh, uh, when we opened, and uh, so yeah, I was involved in. I got to got to pick the crew. Uh, we hired the guys, got them trained, and uh, we had about a. We had a day of orientation. We had a couple of days of on-the-job training. Uh, we oriented them around the park so they knew what they were doing and what was, what everything where everything was, where the restaurants were, where the restrooms were, where the drinking fountains were, all that good stuff. So they 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 were knowledgeable of what's going on, and uh, we trained them on the attractions themselves. So yeah, it was it was busy busy times. Now at that point, the the tone of the Jungle Cruise ride had already kind of shifted to a little more uh, lighthearted uh, than it was at the start. Um, yeah, well, it, was, it was not the true life adventure like it was at Disneyland when we opened. Right. Um, yeah, because I think it had a little more. You know, uh, I, I've always felt like Orlando has a little more of a cartoony personality to its Jungle Cruise. Um, just the the character expressions. Um, uh, I just always have felt like it's a little uh, a little lighter in tone just from the visual side. It's spread out over a much bigger area. Yeah, I think mean, it's a bigger, a longer attraction, bigger attraction. Uh, but then now the one at Del Walton, or Disneyland uh, has been expanded considerably, uh, and uh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And we took we took pretty much took what we'd done back there. We brought it right down here. It was almost a uh, almost a you know a, uh, a replica. Oh yeah, um, and then what? What was the? Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, we think of of Orlando as this sprawling metroplex of you know amazing things, but the the early times when it was just Magic Kingdom, um, did the East Coast side of it ex- accept the entertainment? I mean, was it uh, an easy fit? Were people acclimated to it? Absolutely, the, the crews we we had were great. Uh, we had you know we we we'd uh, been down here two years prior to opening. And we hired young college students uh, that would uh, we'd send them back to California and train them on different attractions around. And uh, when we came down here, we moved in down here. We hired them all, and uh, so we had a trained, uh, partially trained crew, uh, and they were a very, very good bunch of guys and gals. And uh, we, we did super. 
was there something in the the tone of uh, Magic Kingdom as compared to to Disneyland? Was was it a different feel? I mean, obviously the scale is different. The scale is um, different. Uh, it is bigger, uh, and you got to each park is each one of the Disney parks has its own little personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the Disneyland, you know, the boss touched that place. Uh, he built that park. Uh, he bought the property down here, but uh, he never saw the park going up, going up, and he never had never had that feel for it. Uh, he had the vision of Epcot Center uh, many many moons ahead, and uh, so he gave us all that, those ideas. Uh, but uh, uh, the Magic Kingdom is is bigger, yes. Uh, it, but you know, Walt never touched it. So that makes a big difference. Uh, France, the same thing. One of the most beautiful parts we ever built. Uh, but it's got its own personality. It's got its own idiosyncrasies. Uh, yeah, but... I, but I, I was in Japan. Funny or hell, I rode the Jungle Cruise. Uh, the guy, the Thomas Helaton, who, who ran the park, uh, he came over and worked with me for a while to figure out how to run a park. And so we taught him how to, how to run a park. And uh, but, so when I went over to the scene... We went down and rode the jungle cruise. I didn't understand a word they were saying, but every I knew what exactly what he was saying because he was following the same kind of a spiel. The narration it was really funny. One of uh, one of the prior interviews we did was um, there was an Anaheim skipper named Jeff Rhodes who went over to Tokyo to help them with the um, the opening before everything was there, and he got over while they were starting to install. Uh, all the animals and he gets over and all the elephants have their backs to where the boat runs and uh so they had the instructions for how to assemble it were a little messed up so he helped him put it together but then he uh, his name was jeff rhodes he was uh he was an anaheim skipper who went over to kind of help him with their Mm, but uh but apparently the the day the boats were delivered because uh you know uh Tokyo, the boats go the other direction. They go, um, they go clockwise instead uh-huh. of counterclockwise. So uh, they dropped the boats in the water, and they realized immediately that there was a problem because the entrances were on the wrong side of the boat. Because <laughs> the boats were built over there. Yep. So they had to, they had to cut all the pipes and weld everything together and move things around really quick to try to get it ready for the opening. So down here, we, we repainted Main Street twice because we picked the colors in California. Uh, and, uh, and down here we, we had, didn't have any smog and, uh, uh smog and fog. So the uh, colors were brighter down here. So, uh, it was, we had to do repainting. We, when we put in the, uh, light poles down here and the jungle cruise, uh, when we opened the, uh, the, uh, they were built out of aluminum tubes and uh, fiberglass on the outside to look like bamboo. Well, mm-hmm. with the different the compa- uh, expansion and contraction down here from the heat, the cold, which was not very little heat and very little cold, uh, the damn things were popping and breaking. And so we had to build new light poles for Adventureland. That happened over at Frontierland, too. A lot of different little idiosyncrasies. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and then I, uh, you know, the obviously the next step of that evolution was Epcot. Um, what was your uh, what was your involvement in the Epcot? Well, I, I was I was moved over to project development with uh, with Bob Allen and Bob Matson, and we prov- uh, m- and myself and Norm Durgis, we provided all the operational input to WDI or WED at the time uh, to to build uh, Epcot Center, uh, and uh, 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 we were there. I was on it. Norm and I worked on it for four years, and uh, uh, then uh, Dick says, "Okay, make sure the damn thing is right because you're going to run it." And uh, so I ran it for two years after we opened, and that was interesting. It was quite it was interesting four years working with the guys up at WDI. Yeah, and did it, did it feel? I mean, obviously you went from uh, Disneyland to Magic Kingdom, and Magic Kingdom has a lot of the same the same tone and magic. Epcot was a brand new vista. Learned a lot. Uh, yeah, what was what was the reaction from the crowds? Was it uh, uh, very very well it? received? Very well received because it, it was a good Disney show. We had some of the greatest shows. The French Pavilion was gorgeous, uh, and after we opened, we had put the Chinese Pavilion in there. Gorgeous film, and the, the spaceship Earth was was huge. Uh, well, and so you know, I, 
I definitely get a feel that we could um, we could spend hours. You know, you, your career with the company has been really uh, diverse and storied. You know, you you spent your time with Magic Kingdom after Epcot. Um, you know, I can't imagine being in charge of the operations of of a park like that. That must have been uh, an amazing. It was great fun. It was great fun. It was it was trying. It was we had problems. We had layoffs. We and I had to lay off some of the good people. Some good people. Uh, but, you know, Dick was told by the top guys of the park that we had to make a 20% cut. So, I mean, I had to get a hundred, I had to get, uh, I had to get 13 people when I was in the resorts. And, uh, and, uh, uh, I was down, I, I went back to the office and we started making our cuts and, and, uh, I, I had 11 guys and, uh, he says, hi, he walked in the office and he says, how you doing? I said, well, I got 11. I said, under the bone if I, if I start, if you have to get a couple more, I'm going to have to take all they cut into the bone. He says, fine, just get the 11. And we went from there. But uh, I had I had wonderful opportunities in the in the company. Because, I don't know why, but, but the guy, we got along well, and we, we got the job done, and I enjoyed everything I did. If I had a chance to do it all over again, I'd do it again tomorrow. Uh, oh, absolutely. But, uh, uh, you know, when I, you know, I... I was running the Magic Kingdom, and Bob Allen was was a next right operator also. And he was running the hotels, and Dick Evans was there with him. And Dick decided to go to Circus World, and uh, uh, about six months after we opened, so I got transferred to the resorts. Dick, you know, news called me and said, "Hey, you're going to resorts." I said, "Dick, I don't know anything about resorts." He said, "He said, well, he said you're going to go learn." And I said, "Hell, Dick, I've never stayed in a hotel, let alone you know we ran one. You will get over there and learn." So. I took a couple months and started feeling around, poking holes, and seeing what was going on. And and Bob and I, you know, we, uh, it was interesting. We used to get a lot of complaints at the hotels because uh, they were, you know, and uh, uh, so instead of sending letters back to the guests, uh, we started calling and uh, they'd say, "Who's this?" Uh, this is Bill Sullivan. I'm the director of the hotel, sir. And I understand you were just here and you uh, didn't have a good good uh, association with our park or our, our, our hotels. And they were, dumb, were dumbfounded. And so we started taking, you know, making, <laughs> we started making moves and uh, we improved the, the hotels considerably and uh, made, them, made them Disney hotels instead of outside hotels. Right. Anyway. Well, and, and that's you know I've, obviously that's the the touch of the company is 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 known for is because of people who you know stepped in and carried on a lot of the the early traditions. Do do you think that because obviously you're you're a warm you know uh, pleasant person to chat with and, and probably to work for. Do you think well, that you're really rich? Oh. <laughs> Well, you have to be. I mean, that, that's, yeah, that, that's management. Yeah, I'd rather be respected than than a like. Uh, right. We got her done. No, but I mean, does the do you feel like that early time at, at Jungle Cruise was it formative as far as the way that you are as a person over the course of your career? I mean, what what did Jungle bring to you over the rest of your of your life? It gave me the opportunity to, to marry my beautiful wife and have four children. Um, That's the most it, important thing, right there. It gave me the opportunity to, to express myself, uh, to develop myself, uh, to help, and the important thing was to help develop other people. The last ten years of my career, hell, spent mostly just training guy, young guys and gals uh, to take over after we left. And uh, so, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was, it's like everything else. You get a good foundation, and you can build on it. Like building a house, build a good foundation and build a hell of a house. Well, I got a good foundation and I had a hell of a career. Yep. Do uh, do you think you could take a boat out today? No, it'd be a little rusty, but I did take a little <laughs> take me a little time. Yeah, we we can do it. Well, yeah. What you know, once it gets into your blood, it's kind of hard to. Uh, Kind of hard to get it out. Um, have you uh, have you had a chance to go on uh, any of the other overseas, uh, either Hong Kong's jungle or? I haven't been to Hong Kong. I have been to Shanghai, uh, but it was interesting when I went back there in, in 2004 to get my Le- uh, Legend Award. I did take a boat out, and uh, uh, I didn't have a guest on board, but I, did. I, took, I took my family around. 
but no, it was interesting. It's been an interesting career. It's been a lot of fun. I had a lot of oppor- a lot of opportunities, uh, and we worked hard. And we played hard. Like I said, uh, we got it done up. But it was I had good opportunities. Yeah. Never uh, a promotion. Never turned down. Uh, well, and I just I just got a couple more questions, but um, the. Uh, you know, I, I obviously your career spanned the the opening of the park. What was um, what was the impact to you when you heard about Walt passing? What was the park like at that time? How, how did everyone take it? Well, Dick Dennis, our, our, our director at the time, uh, was the uh, he was he played football for SC in in uh, in California, and uh, uh, he stood up in front of the office, in front of the crew. Was there uh, all the managers and supervisors, and uh, tears, big tears running down his face, and he told us that Walt had died, and we were all devastated. We didn't know what the hell was going to happen, and uh, Roy came back out of retirement and says we're going to get her done, and uh, we're going to build Epcot Center, and uh, we're going to go for it. That's that's all we did. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, the, like one of the questions we've asked. Uh, most of the people who've who've come on the show. So let's say hypothetically that you you are able you walk in the gates of Disneyland for its hundredth anniversary celebration. Is is the Jungle Cruise still there? And what would you say would change in forty more years? Uh, it would be upgraded. Uh, it would be uh, it'd be made better. They made stronger. The boats would probably change. The cars would probably change around. Um, maybe the interest might change, uh, yeah. But yeah, you know, change is inevitable. Uh, yeah. uh, some of them I would like, some of them I wouldn't like. Just like it's like today. Uh, some of the changes they made out there I like, some of them I don't like. But I ain't running the place no more. <laughs> and uh, you know, I'd, if if I didn't like what the what they suggested, uh, we wouldn't do it if I was there. But uh, uh, because I was very outspoken, I was very. My concern was to maintain Walt's dream mm-hmm. and Walt's standards. That was important, and I hope that they. But you know, today there's nobody out there that worked with Walt. And I just hope right. that they understand that. Now the young guy that, that's running Disneyland right now, uh, Michael, uh, mm-hmm. can't remember his last name, uh, but he's a hell of a guy. And we ran into him, and in, and in, in, when we were in California this last time, and. Uh, it was it was absolutely he's an absolutely super guy and he's got the Disney feel and I was really pleased with that, what I saw. Uh, I just hope that you know that I understand that George is doing a good job out there in in, in Florida here. Uh, I don't know him. I've never met him. Uh, not in a long time. He was a busboy when I met him last. Uh, so yeah, change is inevitable. But as long as we keep the Disney quality, the Disney spirit, we're good. Yeah. Well, and you know, I, I think that as a culture, we uh, we have gotten into this thing where every little bit is picked apart and it's put on, you know, TV or the internet. And you know, the I think sometimes the big picture, you have to step back and say, you know, yeah, there may be this or that, or maybe maybe the light bulb didn't get changed as fast as it did sixty years ago or whatever it is, but when you take a step back and see the big picture, it's it's not much different uh you know than it was details that make you know difference. Yeah, yeah. Not the big picture, yeah. the details. You know, take care of the little stuff and make yourself take care of themselves. No, I don't. No, well, no, I, 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 I'm just saying it's, it's, it's too easy for people to be negative and critical. Oh yeah. Uh, and I think that that's become a cultural thing for us. And rather than, than you know, looking at the positives and praising it for what it is, people really look for those fine. You know, they really latch on to the negatives rather than than being about the the whole experience and about the positives you know people who write reviews or or people who have websites that dig into the the backstage magic and all of that you know i i think it's way too easy to get into a negative cycle and and i easy to criticize if they'd been out there and worked there for 30 years and then wrote a story and had some yeah you're gonna have negative sides you're gonna have good sides so, oh, sure. you know, negative sides and positive sides. So, you know, it's, it's funny. Um, you know, people can take shots anytime they want, but they've never, never worn that pair of shoes. 
Yeah. Until they wear those pair of shoes, they can't. You know, I don't put much stock in it. Well, the um, are are there any other? I guess if we're going to put this down as kind of a you know a history for the future, are there any other stories? Or I'm I'm sure you have you know, a mental catalog that goes back with, with dozens and dozens of fun things, entertaining stories. It, if, is, are there a couple of things that when you talk with people about your time at the company, are there a couple of things that are the most important to you or things that happened that, that stick with you more than others? Yeah, it's take care of your people. Take care of the guests. You know, that's the important thing. Take care of your employees. Take care of your guests. Or take care of your guests. You know, it's show, it's, the philosophy we had was show courtesy and capacity. Take care of those. Take care of the guests. That's the important thing. Don't worry about stockholders. Take care of the guests. Because the guests could come and the stockholders are going to be in trouble. It's take care of the guests. That's the important thing. And and treat your, your employees, you know, be fair, be firm, and be consistent. So that they know what's going on, where they stand. Uh, and maintain the Disney quality. That's what's really important. Is maintain the quality. Because that's what made us different. So I guess the other, you know, uh, immediately when uh, it got suggested that I chat with you, I mean, the the question that comes to my mind besides all of the things you've done and all that is, I have to ask, um, what was was the Monsters Incorporated Sully a tribute to you? People, <laughs> I have no people, idea. I, I've heard people say that that was that that was a specific tribute to you. Uh, it will so. be, but I, if it was, I wasn't aware of it. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, I was chatting with someone who, when I uh, was asking around, getting some info on you beforehand, that uh, he said that it was because of the the character is is Mike Sullivan, but his father is Bill Sullivan, and that was the Sully was the the uh, little bit of a nod in your direction from what I was I don't know if, I don't know if that's the case but <laughs> you ride the Pirates of the Caribbean you look at the, you look at some of the faces in the Caribbean yep. those are guys that used to work at, uh, at, at Red are, are, are you uh, are you represented there at all? I represented there no. I, was, I wasn't Red I was here yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, but no I, I was uh, some of the guys that are in jail, some you know, they're, uh, they, they, the guys that went had a sense of humor, and they would do that kind of stuff. You look at some of the pictures in the Hall of Presidents, and uh, you'll see some of the faces of the guys that wed in those uh, those uh, uh, pictures on and on the walls at uh, Hall of Presidents, which is very not very well known, but it is. It happens. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I. Um... Uh, obviously, I have you know a, a love and a tie. I spent you know of the seven and a half years I spent at the park, I spent about four and a half, five at Jungle. Oh yeah. And uh, I was there. I, I was there for the opening of California Adventure. I worked on two of the rides. I basically, when I was uh, thirty, I was going through a divorce, so I uh, paid off my bills, bought a new car, and I said, you know what, I'm going to go work at uh, California Adventure for six months. And that turned into a seven and a half year on and off uh, with a couple, couple little breaks, but it turned into a, you know, a good chunk of time. And I hear people say the story like you did, where you know you, you left a job and you went to go work there, and it turns into a, a twenty, thirty, forty year career for a summer job, you know. Yeah. But uh, I'll tell you something. The California Adventure. When I first saw it, when it first opened, I was very, very disappointed because Michael and Paul Presser wanted to do it on the cheap, and because uh, they didn't like spending all that money. And uh, they got what they paid for—a piece of crap. But I was—I went out there and I, uh, I refused to go. And my wife finally convinced me that I should go over to see California Adventure. I was very pleasantly surprised at what I saw. Um, it, it, it's absolutely beautiful now, and it's—it's—it's it's, it's Disney quality almost. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing that I—I I kind of told people about it is uh, it would be a couple of years after it opened, and people were a little down on it. And I, I think the big thing was obviously when 9/11 happened. That changed the landscape for how many people we had coming. I remember working, you know, days, six months, or a year from there where we had a, a third of the people we would have had in the park otherwise. Um, so I'm sure the revenue side of it slowed it down a little bit. But, you know, when it was three, four years old, I told people, you know, think about other three or four year old kids that you know. You know, how many of them do you really like that much? 
<laughs> if it's your if it's your own, it's a different story. But you know, three and four year olds are a little tough to hang around. Wait till it gets a little older, and you'll be uh, a little more appreciative. But no, I yeah, I think that they they fine tune things. They they brought it into the Disney theme. I love the Carthay Circle look, and I think that they really um, yeah, they really you know brought it back to. Uh, uh, much more of that feeling of of Walt, and much more of that feeling of the original. Did you get into nineteen oh one? No, I haven't yet. You know, honestly, you I, I still, I, I don't know how this has happened. I've never been to Club Thirty Three. No, really. I have my my ex wife was supposed to take me when she got she was going with some friends from her work, and she was supposed to take me. And at the last minute, for some reason, she said that she couldn't bring me with. And uh, maybe that's why she's my ex-wife. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I still have never been to Club Thirty Three. It's uh, hey, I, we, they took us up on a tour the other day because they rebuilt it or redid it, yeah, and it's yeah. absolutely gorgeous. Uh, they've done a nice job. Uh, it's a very exquisite, exquisite place. And and what is it, Club Twenty One or whatever? It's Twenty One Jump Street or whatever it is. Uh, is a new area. It's absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And the food was phenomenal. So, so you're, was, you're, yeah, you're, was, you're torturing me now, Sully. I, you, you're, you're telling me things I may never see. That's going to break my heart. <laughs> well, you know, I, um, when, when I started, I was, I did a lot of the, um, uh, there was training and things over at the Grand Californian. They used a lot of people from the park to, to help out. And so I got to do some of the food tasting and, you know, hang out there. Uh, so, but now my wife and I, every year for our, our anniversary in November, we go to the Napa Rose uh-huh. and we, we have uh, their chef's dinner where you sit at the table and they cook you a little five, six course dinner that's suspect. I will tell you that uh, I'm a food photographer. I've been around food. That is still one of my favorite meals of my life is is Napa Rose. Well, you got to come down here and go to go to uh, Victoria uh, Victorian. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, oh, I've been to Victorian ah. Albums. I um, I've I've been down to um. Uh, to Orlando, I think three times now, and yeah, Victorian Alberts was gorgeous. I I still have a little bit of a sore spot though about Orlando because I think the Adventurers Club was one of the best things that Disney has ever done, and it really breaks my heart to see that space uh, being torn down this last few uh, months. Well, yeah, it was it was neat, it was neat, but it didn't it didn't fly. It didn't. Fly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Didn't you know, terms in terms of the place because it was such a great show. Uh, and the, the, the music, the dance halls they had there was gorgeous, but, you know, it, it was problems. Yeah, well, and if it doesn't, you know, much as we would love to, to say it, if, you know, if it doesn't make money over time, if it's not the right fit, but it's, it still makes me sad because I love the theming and the story and the feel of that, and that's what I've always, you know, every every ride has a story, every well, they, every they, experience has a story, and I think that was all about story. They took out Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Which I thought was a phenomenal ride. Yeah, uh, they took out they took out Alice in Wonderland, or not Alice Wonderland. They took out, um, you know, what am I trying to say? Alice in Wonderland ride in Disneyland. You know, and uh, uh, so yeah, it, it's. But you know, that's progress. Well, and you know, the ni- the nice thing is that they've always said, like you know, that they'll keep like a country bear. They may take it out of Anaheim, but it stays in Orlando. So I think that they. You know, People Mover is still in Orlando, so I think that they they still try to keep uh, at least in one place the 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 attractions if they have to come out of somewhere else. But you know, it's it, there's no way they can keep everything and still grow. Oh, there's got to be you got to you got to grow. You got to grow. Make it bigger and better. Is, is there is there something from the maybe the first ten years of Disneyland that you look back at and you go, man, I I wish that was still here. Yeah, the sub rides here. Oh yeah. yeah. One I hope they don't bring back is the flying saucers. That was a well, they train tried. in the ass to work. You know, they tried that at California Adventure, but by the time they had to stick all of the uh, the new safety and, uh, uh, you know, all of the new things for the, the lawyers to be happy, uh, the Luigi's flying tires, they called it, they, the, the things were too heavy. So they brought it back. They figured out how to make it work, but then the lawyers uh, stuck so much stuff on there that they wouldn't float right. Yeah, uh, well. You know, there's too many regulations today. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's all together different, and you know, but you got to fight them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, so, someone told me that if if uh, they had to meet the regulations of today, that Disneyland would never be built. So we, I guess, we can be happy it happened when it happened. Yep, you're absolutely right. 
So, well, I, I, I know you've got your, your roof. You got to get that patched up and, uh, I, I definitely have taken up enough of your time. Um, thank you so much. I mean, the, uh, it's, it's great to see another, uh, career that started in the jungle that's had so much of an impact on the, the Disney company and, uh, and uh, on the experiences that people have in the parks. And I really just, you know, thank you for, uh, Thank you for having, uh, for making that difference. Okay, well, thank you for giving me the opportunity. Yeah, and I hope, uh, like I said, I'll, I'll I'll send you an email or so, and I'll I'll send you some of the links to other early episodes, the ones with the other guys from '55, and uh, I got another guy who started in '58 or '59 that I think we might be getting on. I don't have his name yet, but oh, no, yeah. Yeah, no, but when I do, I'll, I'll I'll drop you an email every once in a while if anything comes across my desk. That, okay, uh, if you want to talk again, you know, think up some new questions, I'll give you some new answers. Oh, no, it's it's been an absolute pleasure, and uh, yeah, if you're ever headed back out this way, uh, the next time you're headed out to California, I'll, I'll uh, love to hear from you and would love to shake your hand and meet you in person. Very good, okay, God, thank you much for calling. Thank you so much, no, you have a, have a great one. Take care now.